Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. For your free 30-day subscription, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. back ladies and gentlemen to a brand new episode of the film stage show the movie review podcast for the filmstage.com as always i am your host brian j rowan with me today we have michael snydell hello that, that's it <laughs> I, I don't I, do you want to do you want a pithy thing i was trying to be different by not doing a pithy thing this time all right well let's see uh, if bill does something different we also have bill graham uh, have you ever been to a play? I have not. I hear it's incredible, according to Jude Law. <laughs> I, He's full of you, shit. I don't know. <laughs> have you really never been to a play? Outside of school and outside of seeing a community theater once of the Adams Family, I think I haven't. Yeah, I'm going to say I, that doesn't count just huh. because it's the Adams Family for some reason. Okay. I would. I will say our podcast is no longer cultured enough with Bill on it. So <laughs> all in favor of kicking Bill off, say aye. No, no. Bill. Bill is here to represent the common man. Yes. Yes, indeed. I like Star Wars, and uh, Mother is amazing. So there we go. Yeah, those are two very common opinions. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. Yes. Bong um, Joon Mother. Very good film. Here to level us out. <laughs> Hopefully, I guess. It's Joe Nikoslovsky. Howdy. How's it going? Uh, not too shabby. It sounds Have, like everybody else in good spirits as well. Do you, do you <laughs> like Star Wars? I, I, I was about to say, I don't, you say we're in good spirits. I literally can't tell you if that's true. Um, <laughs> over the course of the last couple of months, our exhaustion and animosity have just taken on like a level of lightheartedness. But they might be very <laughs> real. But Brian, you are drowning in good spirits. Insert plug here. <laughs> oh, great boy. spirits, oh, more boy. likely. Distinctively finished, finished spirits from Schmidt Spirits. Go to SchmidtSpirits.com. If you live in the Maryland area, we can now ship directly to your doorstep. Our distillery is open Saturday and Sunday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Free tastings. Um. Anyway, so yes. Uh. <laughs> Jonah, why don't you tell the people at home a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm a uh, critic and writer living in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, I write for The Spool uh, with Michael, and uh, I have a weekly column there called uh, PSH I Love You, dedicated to every single movie Philip Seymour Hoffman has ever been in. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm very excited to be here. Well, well, well. Michael Snydell taking us back to I Chicago. Said it was gonna happen. <laughs> One week of someone from Maine, and suddenly we're back in the windy city. It was Massachusetts. It wasn't Maine? I thought it was Maine. <laughs> no, I think it was Massachusetts. I think it was Massachusetts. I'm sorry, Brianna. <laughs> someone go back and uh, listen to that episode and let us know. Sure, sure. There will Whoops. be a point where Michael asks what the difference between the two states that she has lived in are. <laughs> you know what? Forget it. You know what? I'm gone. 
is it. <laughs> All right, sweet. Uh, so we're here to talk about The Nest, uh, the newest film from writer-director Sean Durkin. This movie stars Carrie Coon and Jude Law. Uh, before we get into that, all the usual stuff, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. You can email us, podcastthefilmstage.com. And of course, you can become a patron of our little project here by going to patreon.com slash thefilmstageshow. For as little as $1 an episode, you get access to our super cool Slack channel. And of course, first crack at all of the raffles that we do. And uh, with gift giving season coming out, wouldn't you like to win a free movie? So, again, patreon.com slash the film stage show. We are also brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films around the globe. Every day, Mubi adds a brand new film to their service. Uh, it could be an obscure classic, an uh, awesome film uh, from another country, and uh, whether it's something you've already seen, something you've heard about, or something you never heard about, it's guaranteed to be something you're going to love. So, you can get a free 30-day subscription to Mubi by going to mubi.com slash filmstage. Let's talk about some of the stuff that they are getting on the platform soon. Um, arriving just yesterday, it was the Juniper Tree. Bjork made her dazzling film debut in this monochromatic medieval fantasy in which she channels a witchy supernatural energy. Not entirely <laughs> sure that Bjork is capable of doing anything other than that. <laughs> A feminist retelling of the Brothers Grimm fairy tale. Um, this uh, is shot in Iceland on 35mm. Uh, you can enjoy this stunning restoration on Mubi. We also should say that Yorgos Lanthimos' new work, Nimic, will be coming. Uh, we will have more details about that. That should be about a week from now. So look forward to that. Another interesting thing that I saw on there is Cemetery, inspired by an early adventure films and subverting the tropes of nature doc. Artist Carlos Casas takes us on a slow-mo jungle odyssey, perhaps an elephant's dream. Hypnotic and tactile cemetery is cemetery. Cemetery is a sensory meditation on memory and extinction made of images and sounds we haven't seen or heard before. So again, if you are interested in all that, or if you'd like to see what else is going on on the platform, you can get a free 30-day trial of movie by going to mubi.com slash filmstage. Again, that is mu bi.com slash film stage um we usually do a little uh breakdown of how we're doing before we get into our reviews previously known as covid and or quarantine corner but now just kind of like what do we have to expel before we can talk about the film <laughs> so how's everyone doing everyone doing good <laughs> michael hasn't showered in three days Hey, 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 now. Hey, now. It's like half a day right now. Fuck off. <laughs> um, Here in my I'm... dirty laundry. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, oh, film stage God, show next week will be presented role. in Smell-O-Vision. <laughs> 4D. Oh, jeez. <sighs> the fourth D is for disgusting. Anyway, uh, let's... Uh, seriously, um, holidays are coming up, so I'm sure that, uh, people are doing all kinds of stuff. I tried to shop for Christmas presents today and it was a fiasco. I, this, this is just where I'm at. I don't know if anyone else is going through this. I went on Amazon. I was like, I'm going to find something for all my family and I'm going to be done and it's going to be great. And, uh, like 15 <laughs> minutes later, I was trying to find the boiling point of silicon. <laughs> 
how'd you get from A to B? Like how? So I was looking, so I found a book for my father who doesn't listen to this, but he gets a book for me any, every year. So I don't think it's really a spoiler for him. Um, for my daughter, I was looking for like cool little toys, you know, like little small things that like might uh, entrance her with, you know, her curiosity. And one of them was, I don't think she can handle a yo-yo right now. Um, also she'll just swing it around the house and break things. Um, (laughs) So yeah. I, I was looking at like this, this oil based colored, like weird sort of hourglass thing where like different colored oils would travel different directions in the water because of buoyancy. <laughs> and then that made me think of, um, ferrofluids, uh, the magnetic liquids that you can put into like a little clock or something with magnets and it'll make little spike things. And then I was like, oh, that's really interesting. That's cool. And then I remembered like, oh, you know what else is really cool is gallium which is a metal that melts at 85 degrees Fahrenheit. So if you put it in the palm of your hand, it will melt. But if you like pour it onto a table, it will solidify again. And then I was like, wow, that's like interesting. It's melting point is that low. I wonder what its boiling point is. And then I just started looking up the boiling points of metals. So there's a full breakdown of how that nonsense happened. Interesting, interesting. Uh, so long story short, I've only bought two Christmas presents for like 17 people in my family, plus the bunch that I have to buy for my daughter. So I, I, I got you. I got you a good one. So do you know people that like candles or smoke cigarettes? Either one will work. Candles. I, I love candles. <laughs> I have like 17 candles. scented candles and all like 100 okay. percent. Honestly, I love scented candles. <laughs> OK, awesome. Uh, so instead of using gasoline or, you I'm know, sorry, did well, you just say gasoline? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's not gasoline. I know. I know what it is, but instead of using a flammable substance, okay. uh, for the lighter, you can buy something called it's, it basically creates a mini arc. So oh, I've seen that. Points, yeah. They, I bought one like about four or five years ago and Erica just looked at me and was just like rolled her eyes. She was like, what is that? And I was like, this thing is awesome. (laughs) And every time I bust it out at a party or anything like that, when people come over, people are (laughs) like, I want that fucking thing. What is that? And it's rechargeable. Uh, It's awesome. I'll send you a link to them really easy. Like everybody will be like, Oh, this is badass. I'm going to keep this around. And like, just never have to reuse another Bic lighter ever again. All right. Well, that's awesome. That's a good little stocking stuffer from Bill Graham. So make yes. sure to uh, go looking for that. And uh, yeah. Anyway, um, so Joan, how's how's your life going? How you been over the last couple months? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I've been doing okay. I actually just moved to Chicago over the last few months. Um, oh my god! You moved into a population center. I I know I know. Um, <laughs> Michael, <laughs> I I typed arc lighter and this is what I got. Don't Bill. go to Etsy. So you, you gotta you gotta turn your safe search on, sir. <laughs> safe search is on. <laughs> I'm not even gonna tell the listeners what just happened. <laughs> I, Bill, I typed arc light. I'm I'm sorry that I interrupted you, Jonah. But I, no, 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 you're fine. I think Bill's a liar. Bill is a liar. That oh boy. <laughs> anyway, so you decided during a pandemic, during a period of massive civil unrest, to move into a uh, population center. Yeah, but I didn't send uh, a 69 later to the chat, so I feel. <laughs> okay that's true you you're still living a better life than some people on this podcast 
I mean, that was obvious. <laughs> uh, but yeah, my uh, my girlfriend is visiting me. Uh, we're gonna watch Moonstruck tonight after this, so things are oh, nice. things are looking up here. Oh, that's great. Awesome. Um, we should try to be fast then, even though it's uh, we're already like thirty minutes in, <laughs> and this is what we're talking about. Um, everyone listening right now who's saying to themselves what are you talking about it's only been 12 minutes we wasted the first 18 minutes talking about uh, proper cremation and body disposal of large animals Um, let's talk about The Nest the newest film from writer-director Sean Durkin who previously has done Martha Marcy May Marlene Um, and this movie stars Carrie Coon who you may all know from The Leftovers as well as uh, Gone Girl and apparently one of the seasons of Fargo. Yep. Yep. So in a lot of Chicago theater. So, huh? Well, (laughs) can't we just predict what you're going to think about this movie? Um, We also have uh, Jude Law in this as well. Um, So that's that. Let's uh, listen to a little bit of the trailer. You know what? You know what's great is that the trailer started, but it had muted itself. So give me one second. Things are dried up here for me. Oh! There's an opportunity. Where? London. This would be our fourth move in ten years. But money's fine, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. This is a fresh start. How about this? All right, so that's part of the trailer for The Nest, a film about a family that moves to England and uh, doesn't have a very good time of it. <laughs> you forgot Let's... the really big house. You should probably mention the really big house. Yes, they <laughs> move from a, a nice little condo to a uh, really big house. Congratulations. Um, let's Let's talk about this movie. We begin, as always, with our general spoiler-free thoughts. Moving into our in-depth spoiler section, we begin, of course, with our guest, Jenna Koslovsky. What did you think of The Nest? Yeah, so um, I like this movie, um, but I but I also like really struggle with it. Um, and I can't tell if it's like me, like not being like, like, frankly, like smart enough to really like dig it or like if it's something in the film. Um, uh Sean Durkin, the, the writer-director, um, is playing a lot with a lot of horror tropes in this. Um, it, it sort of seems like that, that, that mansion that they move into is haunted. Um, he uses a lot of these, like, wide shots. Uh, it's very, you know, uh, got a lot of spooky atmosphere going on. Um, and I think that, uh, I think that all the performances are phenomenal. Um, I think, uh, Carrie Coon and Jude Law are, are both acting, acting some of the best they've ever acted. Um, but at the same time, I, I find myself really struggling to get excited about this movie. Um, I don't think I like it as much as Durkin's last film. Um, and he waited, uh, well, he, he, unfortunately it, it, it took him about, uh, uh, eight or nine years to make another movie after, uh, Martha, Marcy May Marlene. Um, so all this to say, like, like, uh, uh, I just, I just struggled to get into this because it's, very slow and atmospheric and they're 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 the 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 thing i like most about this is the end but i don't want to spoil it um so yeah on the whole i like this movie but i i guess i would have like trouble recommending it if that makes sense right yeah no that makes sense 
And we will, of course, dive into more of those feelings as we go on. Uh, until then, Bill Graham. Sure. So uh, I I remember looking up like what this movie was because, uh, you know, I haven't seen very many previews for this or anything like that. Um, obviously a lot of, a lot of studios aren't dropping money on, uh, on advertising for films that aren't even in theaters right now. So, um, I didn't know what to make of this and I remember looking it up and seeing, I believe thriller and drama. And I was like, Oh, okay, this will be interesting. And then, yeah, with the music, with the tones, with some of the mood, um, I was expecting something a little bit different, but, uh, that being said, I really, really enjoyed this film. Um, I think, uh, it's alternate title should be, uh, tough conversations with cabbies. Um, <laughs> but, uh, that being said, I, I really, really enjoyed this film. Um, there's a moment, um, there's a moment in the middle of the film that really kind of sold me on this film or it's, it's towards the end of the film when something uh, majorly spoilery happens. And so we'll be able to dive into that later, but um, that really kind of sold me on this film. Uh, some of the emotional stakes and some of the character reactions to uh, situations and things like that. So um, I think this film is very smart in what it's trying to do, but Boy, is it sometimes a tough hang to kind of be with this family because they're they're really, really starting to crumble along the edges. So like just the most bummer episode of Taxi Cab Confessions ever is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. All right. Michael Snydell. Yeah, I, I I thought this was uh, was bad. Um, I, and I I will preface by saying that I seem to be in the definite minority on on this based on the critical consensus. I, I guess what it was is I kept finding everything in the margins more interesting than what's going on with Jude Law. I think that uh, a lot of the arc of his, which we can obviously speak in uh, more detail soon, is is oddly broad. And uh, very repetitive in a way that I found myself like repeatedly being like, go back to Carrie Coon for the love of God. <laughs> let me let me see how Carrie Coon is reacting to things. And I I, I will genuinely say that uh, aloof marriage dramas aren't really my thing. A, a movie people really love, The Ice Storm, for instance, is, is a film that I think is uh, really overwrought and doesn't work for me at all. So this is partly not really the mode I like. Um, like, I definitely like things that are a little juicier. Um, I know I've mentioned uh, Danny DeVito's The War of the Roses a number of times on this podcast. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've talked as well about my love about of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. And I think those, uh, the way that they have their characters snipe at each other uh, is ultimately digs deeper for me than a lot of what this film is, is doing in trying to uh, uh, the slow burn that it's trying to do with the crumbling trust and uh, the autonomy that's leaving this relationship as uh, characters start making decisions. Um, and I guess oh, what I just say is I just, I wanted, I, I kept wanting it to just, uh, focus on anything other than this commodities trader uh, storyline because I just think it 
it kind of runs in place. And I think there is some weird, interesting uh, bits that I would like to talk to. I think there's like uh, some odd things that barely have anything to do with plot that are, are really played really nicely. Uh, I think the cinematography is uh, pretty interesting. I looked at the cinematographer's name earlier and it scared me that I was going to mispronounce it terribly. But I think it's um, Matias Erdeli. And he does a lot of this outside looking in uh, camera angles and then kind of uh, reverses that later in the film where you are constantly feeling trapped in that same place where uh, previously you were just looking in. But overall, yeah, I just found this so overcooked from beginning to end. But uh, that Carrie Coon, she seems really talented. Uh, And I would love some movies where she gets to, like, do more drunk dancing and be really petty with uh, with a partner because I really liked that restaurant scene. That was you, fun. Have you just never seen The Leftovers? I have seen the first episode of The Leftovers and did not finish it. Oh my god. You're a heathen and you and Bill are now both exiled from this podcast and I will go alone. No, I thought we were talking about culture. <clears throat> we're talking about movies so we're talking about The Leftovers. Um, oh, okay. The Leftovers Great. is phenomenal. Like, the Leftovers on, is guys. amazing. Yeah, I mean, the le- I mean, Carrie Coon and the Leftovers—that's like her thing. That's like how she blew up. And if you want drunk, petty, well, she blew up on Chicago theater. That's a lie. No, we're not. Periods. Nope. She was a fixture. Why are you using a British accent? You should be like she was a fixture in the Chicago area. No, that was terrible. No. Stop. Let's, let's stop this. Let's stop this. No, you're offending me. <laughs> Good. Suck it up. Um, no, I'm I'm legitimately serious. If you if if you want this, but like more of it, like you need to watch more the petty. leftovers. No more petty and like juicy. Not not this boring like tedious. Oh, I'm so sad. My uh, my kid is so blandly rebellious. Like. All of that stuff she elevates, but I think it's... I, uh, oh, so... I, I don't want to spoil the leftovers for you, but like you were describing... Exa- Jonah, back me up. He's like describing oh, exactly oh. the leftovers, right? 100%. I, I don't know. There's a there's a scene in the in the first season. It's a couple episodes in. I, uh, uh, Brian, I think you know the one I'm talking about involving like a, her, her pain management. Can we spoil yes. that for Michael? Yeah. Uh, she, Please. She... she, she she pays someone to shoot her in the chest. Um, it's like it's and it, and her her performance is just phenomenal. And she spars with like her boyfriend's shitty like daughter, who's just like really uh, pretentious and mean. I mean, like I just played by Margaret Qualley, right? Yeah, Qualley. Yeah. Yep. The leftovers is great. Why didn't they begin with this instead of this like somber, downbeat like? overly uh it took them a while know, to find that show like it took them <laughs> it took them like a whole season before they like, like figured it out i'm 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 one of the i loved the first season but i am exactly the kind of depressed emotionally <laughs> constipated person that the first season would appeal to and then so like just irish is what you're saying yeah i yeah 100 <laughs> the most irish show ever made um <laughs> And then the second and third season are just bug nuts, fucking crazy awesome. Yeah. And Carrie Coon gets to, I mean, 
uh, I just like I don't even like I don't even know how to explain to you how much what you want is in the leftovers and you need to watch it. So that show gets fun is what you're trying to tell me. In fact, yeah. So so the show starts off as like kind of an omnibus, like a bunch of different people. But then they start to be like, maybe during this episode, we should just follow around Carrie Coon's character. And it's like really boring to me, too. So what was that? Thoreau was very boring to me, which didn't help. I'm like, yeah, bring me to Carrie Coon. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and Carrie Coon's in it, and she's amazing. And then the best part is that, like, you know, you say Thoreau's a little boring. I mean, he's supposed to be a little boring in that show, but the more crazy shit that happens around him, the yeah. harder it is for him to be boring, and the more he starts to just break. It's so good. It's so good. Um, I do I do want to say, I think it says something about the nest that, like, we would all rather talk about the leftovers. Like, I think I think that probably shouldn't be ignored. I could be in the middle of, of, of passionate love with someone, and I would, if they said, like... <laughs> Oh, I just watched the like you know this particular episode of the leftovers. I just watched No Room at the Inn. I'd be like, oh, we should stop and just talk about that for a little bit. All right, all right, that's fair. We might need an intervention in your dating life then, if if this is where you're. Yeah, I, I don't know. We're getting into this, weird territory that I don't. Getting, like. This is getting real close to the Queen's Gambit, by the way. But yeah, uh, we could talk about the Queen's Gambit too. I mean. <laughs> That's also a great show. Um, but no, Michael, for, for real, if, you know, we're all under quarantine, no one's going home for Christmas. Just watch The Leftovers. It's like 20 some hours, man. You owe it to yourself. You're, you're, you're going right, to be so happy. Give it another shot. All right. Good. Give it another good. shot. All right. Anyway, um, <laughs> so now that we've uh, done the most important thing that any of us will ever do in our lives, which is convince someone to watch The Leftovers. It's like our job as critics, like just got to get someone to watch the leftovers. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, and then I've got to get the way back. Uh, the best picture this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a hundred percent serious. Wouldn't they like, no. no. <laughs> I think if you, if, if the, if no. the Oscars, if the Oscars does what it usually does, which is go for like middle You're of the road, him. goodness. You're breaking him. <laughs> You can't tell me that you'd rather have Green Book than The Way Back. I mean, like, think about the Oscars and what they award and then think about The Way Back and be like, oh, that's probably the best case scenario. Sure. I could also be like, I took a shit in the toilet. It's (laughs) Anyway, um, so my thoughts on The Nest. I I'm it sucks because I think that Jude Law, I think that Carrie Coon, uh, like they give fantastic performances, even a deal. Uh. Octar, like is really good in this and i love so many of the moments and so many of the scenes i think like aesthetically it's a very handsome movie i think it's got you know style and and atmosphere to spare but then it was over and i was like i don't know what why i did that (laughs) (laughs) it just doesn't feel it doesn't feel like it really landed anywhere it's like it's like if you're watching a it's like if you're watching a, a guy in the sky you know on like a rocket pack and he's doing all these cool maneuvers, and then you realize, like, he's been up there a while. He's got to be running out of gas, and it does not appear as though he's wearing a parachute. Um, and so I feel like you just like kind of reserve yourself to the idea of like, well, that was all wonderful, but it's it's not going to end well. And um, I just I don't know this this movie. I, I here's another problem that I'm having, and it's something that I've talked about on this podcast a lot since we went into quarantine. I miss being trapped with a movie in a movie theater. Sure. I um I like 
the fact that when you sit down in a movie theater, you sit, you're there. It's a train. You succumb to it. Right. Yeah. You, well, not only that you succumb to it, you, you have to, like, there's nothing else to do. <laughs> you're stuck. It's like, you know, it's like being on an airplane and you're sitting next to someone and you might be like, I would never talk to this person in real life. But now that I'm stuck here, like I will find them to be interesting because I am stuck with them. And like afterwards you can be like, well, that didn't work. But like, those? What was that? Wait, are you one of those who starts conversations on planes? No, people start conversations with me. Oh. Okay. I'm a, right, I'm that's, a, that's, that's better, I guess. Yeah, no, I don't I try not to talk to anyone anywhere. Um, but it happens. So um so like I, I was watching this movie at the distillery because I was at the distillery today and it was kind of a light day. But like it's just it's one of those things where I'm like, I because I'm watching this on my computer, because I am still immersed in my life, it is hard for me to really give it the leeway to like just exist and then do what it did. Like I need it. I just need it to be a little more compelling. And I don't think seeing it in a theater would have really changed my opinion about it. I think that I still would have come out saying like, Oh, that was it. Like, that's what we were moving towards. Like, I feel like this is more of a short film than, than a a feature length movie because like it gets kind of repetitive. And I don't know that the climax is as climactic and explosive as I need it to be. Um, that room I, is weird. I will say that. It, it's like it looks like curtains. <laughs> like all those white. I kept thinking of soundproofing curtains. and I was like, oh, OK. Are they like, is this supposed <laughs> to remind me of like a, a padded cell? Like, oh, they're all stuck here with each other. I mean, like it, you know, but that's just that's the production design or whatever. Um, but yeah, I was just I, I was watching it and my my partner at the distillery is like, you know, hey, man, how's the movie? And I'm like, you know, it's good. It's. But like it's I'm I'm just sitting here and I'm I'm very aware of the fact that I am sitting here watching this movie because I have to. Because without sure. the theatrical experience, it's not like it's an escape. I'm doing something else and like weird that I wouldn't get to do previously because I'm in a dark room with strangers watching this movie and it's super tall. It's just like I am here on my computer and I am I am watching this movie and I don't know that I'm getting much from it. <laughs> and then it's over. So yeah, I uh, it's it's a shame though cuz like I said, the independent parts of it I really really liked, but it just doesn't cohere into something really that I really scenes. Yeah, and that's I mean like so but like I cannot I can't recommend a movie based on that. Like hey, if you sit through no. you know 100 or 1 hour and 47 minutes, you know, there's going to be like let's say 40ish minutes of like really good stuff. You know? Like it's just not it doesn't it doesn't equal out, especially because it's not like you know, the first hour may suck, but then you get to the end and it kind of makes it worth it. Like it doesn't, it's, it's just kind of, it's to me anyway, it kind of fizzles out. And while that may be what Zirkin was going for. And while that may be like true to life, it's just, it feels like this, the aesthetic of this movie does not lend itself to a low key bummer reality ending. Mm. I, I, I mean, um, I know we're still in, in spoiler-free territory, but I, I do kind of want to push back on that uh, idea about the end, because to me, the end was the most interesting part about it. Um, I don't know. I think without spoiling, I think um, the way that Durkin sort of avoids resolution, I just found found really um, just like like really uh, uh, thought provoking. I mean, I'm I'm down to get into spoilers immediately. I um yeah, let's, <laughs> like because. 
Because I, I can't, like, I, like we all seem to be of a piece about, like, oh, yeah, like, there's parts of it that are really good. And, you know, I think, honestly, like, Carrie Coon and Jude Law, I don't think either any of us would argue that, like, they're not doing really good work here. Absolutely. I think Jude Law is bad in this. Oh, I you really think do. he's, Whoa. like, actively bad? <laughs> yeah, I think it's partly the script. Uh, but, no, I, I think Jude Law is very boring in this. And I, I usually really like Jude Law, to be honest. I, I thought he was... I, maybe it's just because I felt like he dominated this movie to such an exhausting degree, even beyond the purpose of his exhaustion. That's <laughs> that's interesting that you say that. I think that he, I think that he is uh, kind of underserved by the script because at some point he stops being like a multi-dimensional character that you can get behind, and he starts just becoming yeah. kind of a monster. I think, like for the first. I don't know, for the first hour, maybe he's like, he's really good. And and the script is serving him well. But like after his deal doesn't go the way he expects it to, it's, it's like early on too. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of like, he, I thought he was doing a really good job of playing the guy who like is a detent, uh, attentive enough father figure and like an attentive enough husband, but is clearly unsatisfied and needs to, profit in order to feel potent um and then at some point he just becomes like untenable like he just becomes too monstrous and it's it's kind of a bummer because he is so good so early on playing that dichotomy i mean jude law is the ultimate like is this guy just so charming that i don't trust him or is he actually like a snake (laughs) sure i think that's i think that's totally fair characterization but i i think I guess what I'd say briefly about that deal, though, is like I was more interested in the Swedish farm, uh, the the farm. Um, oh, the Norwegian fish uh, farm. Yes, I don't know why I got Swedish. Sorry, the Swedish Norwegian fish. fish farm was like more interesting <laughs> to me. Oh goddamn! <laughs> it was. See, that was like more in uh, that. Uh, among a number of other parts in this movie, like I wanted specificity with that stuff. Like I, once the merger came up, I'm like, wait, this is the only pot you have on the stove. Like you don't have any other, like even smaller fish. God, <laughs> God damn it. Smaller, <laughs> <laughs> smaller fish. I, whatever. I'm going with it. Let's just, just see how many times we can uh, trick Michael into making fish analogies and idioms on this podcast. <laughs> Uh, smaller fish that you're uh that you're trying to catch like i i thought it was very weird that like i, I maybe this is why that felt particularly thin to me but i thought it was very strange that we're supposed to you know um i do think there's that smart uh flash forward where you find out 30 days 20 to 30 days passed in a in a yeah. single cut and i'm like oh okay we're doing some bold things here um, I mean, the movie does that a few times because it opens with a phone call and then, you know, like 15 to 20 minutes later, there's a, a guy who says like when he called me six months ago and I'm like, oh, shit, it's been a while. But it's but I think it's weird, though, because I think it at every one of those points, I feel like it gets this uh, this, you know, jutting momentum. But then it runs back into how tedious its own like main narrative is like i think that merger thing you know you get one conversation about it and then you get a a somewhat satisfying comeuppance for him 
uh, you know, of this boss being like, I always knew you were a little bastard. <laughs> I just <laughs> thought you got smarter. Like, I, and that was like, that was fun, but it's also like, what what is he doing with all this time that he's working? Is he just like calling these people twenty four seven? Like it's it was so unconvincing for like a, a commodities trader. Like I, I hate to right, and he really he no. I mean he wouldn't let it go. He should have at some point just cut bait, you know. Yeah, like be a Jordan Belfer and get someone else on the horn. And, and then, like, what's he doing for eight hours a day? You know, <laughs> like, like he's working eight hours a day for a month and. What he's just sitting at his desk the entire time? I don't. Yeah, and then he steals that idea, and I'm like, "Ooh, we're getting somewhere. We're we're, we're let's okay. I'll I'll go down this rabbit hole, uh, but don't just keep me falling. <laughs> you gotta <laughs> Wait, make at some point. Some... You gotta get to Wonderland. Yeah. And then and then the fact that they have that dinner and they never really have that confrontation, and I thought that scene was like actually pretty well written. I, I think it's weird because I think some of these scenes are have really nice human moments. I, I really love the part. It's going to sound so small, but the the part where his, uh, where her daughter, or, sorry, where Carrie Coon's daughter is, um, Sam, is really angry at her mom because uh, she didn't get picked up. And she's angry and then she hears that her mom's horse died and her demeanor totally changes. And I think, like, it's weirdly smart about some of those really small things, but everything else feels so broad, like, and lacking in specificity, which is, like, so weird because you think of commodities traders movies, whether you're talking about Wall Street or whether you're talking about uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Trading places. (laughs) Trading places, yeah. I mean, it's like... American uh, Psycho. Yeah, like I mean, he was in in murders and amputations, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. Like all of those, though, like hinge on actual deals, even if they're totally hollow. Like they make one line about checks bouncing. Like none of that stuff goes anywhere. Like it, it's like they keep seeding things, and they're like, "Well, I guess we're not going to water these anymore." And here's the movie. We're just hurtling into the abyss. Uh, but also, let's just have breakfast. <laughs> like it's. I I, I also want to ask this briefly because uh, Emily brought this up. Has there ever been a movie about a commodities trader where he is not evil or corrupted by his own ambition ever um yeah, jerry yeah. mcguire does not count no he's not a commodities <laughs> trader he's a sports agent oh god damn it you're right <laughs> you're just thinking of you okay this is hilarious you're just thinking of handsome men with good haircuts who wear a suit in an office and shout a lot and they make deals Don Draper, like, yeah, he was a commodities trader. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I mean, honestly, like, like, am I going to have to Google, like, commodity trade? No, I'm just going to assume no. Any movie that takes place on Wall Street (laughs) never has their person be a good person. I feel like Richard Gere has to be a commodities broker in something. Wait, in Pretty Woman, is he a commodities broker? (laughs) (laughs) Let's look it up. Let's see. I know that he's randomly rich. Um, you might be thinking of arbitrage, but basic research tells me that he's a hedge fund yeah. manager. 
and a fraud in that one. So. Yeah. He's desperate to complete the sale of his trading empire. See, here's the problem. Here's my problem immediately. Hedge fund manager, commodities. Tra- I don't know what any of these people do. They're incredibly yeah, like made up jobs. They're inc- yeah, they, so they do. They're incredibly boring jobs <laughs> cinematically. They're an excuse to make your character affluent, under a lot of pressure, and probably a dick. It's it's like when you have a nice guy in a rom-com and he's like, I'm an architect. You know, it's just like, yeah, sure you are, bro. Like, well, yeah, you're an architect. You <laughs> make things. You say, yeah. Uh-huh. Like, and then he was a, he was a, 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 you're thinking of 500 days of summer, right? Where he's like a, a greeting card writer. He wants to be an architect. Oh, but he does. Oh, that's like right. That. He did oh, want yeah. to be an architect. I he was thinking. Right. He got it right. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, no, he <laughs> really. But that's <laughs> the thing is like, if, if you're a Wall Street person, if you're, if you're like a commodities trader or managing a head fund, hedge fund or whatever, like, yeah, you're, you're basically is like cinematic shorthand for your soul is broken and you only <laughs> care about money because you don't make anything. But then. Hollywood at the same time is like, but we can't have a fucking carpenter or like a basket weaver be the lead of a movie. So who's someone that makes something, but we can still have them be like, I don't know, in New York or Chicago or L.A. and work in an office with like high ceilings and bricks. And the answer is architect. Brian, I think I think Jesus has been uh, the main character in plenty of movies. (laughs) Yes, that's true. You're allowed to be a carpenter if you're the son of man. <laughs> oh, creator. I get it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so I, I do want to talk about one of the things that I really, really liked about this movie. Um, there's a really, really dramatic scene uh, where the kids are kind of going in on mom. Mom has had to bury her fucking horse. Um, not a good uh, sequence of events here. Uh, or n- she doesn't she hasn't buried it yet. She's killed it at this point or she had didn't someone kill it. else she got kill a neighbor it. to kill it. Yes, yeah, she had someone else kill it, which is just like Cowardly. a mercy. Well, I mean, what a, okay. you wanted her to pull the trigger on her own horse? She should have found a rock. She should have taken care of business. You're clearly joking. But okay, anyways, um so that's a Yorgos Lanthimos version that we didn't get. <laughs> Uh, Nick Nolte in the end of Cape Fear just bashed, <laughs> bashed that shit. I'm thinking. Uh, I was, I was thinking of uh, me, myself, and Irene. <laughs> <laughs> just try to suffocate it to death. All right. Anyways, um, so she, her horses basically died on her, um, and she's late to go pick up the kids as, as you are. Um, and one of her kids ended up, I guess, riding a train or, or some kind of, uh, mass transit back home and she gets home and she kind of goes off on the kid and she, storms off at some point because she's like will you please let me know if and she doesn't say it in a kind way but she basically says let me know if you're going to take a train back next time and the daughter kind of quips back well let me know if you're going to be late next time Mm -hmm. and she storms off at that 
And the kid who has been kind of quiet will push back against his sister here and there, but is is fairly kind of docile. He just stands up for his mom and is like, what is it? I think Richmond. it's Hammond. Richmond. 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 Uh, Richmond died. And immediately the daughter gets off her ass and like runs downstairs and is like, oh, shit. Right. Like, well, that's what Michael was saying. Like, that's a very well observed scene. Like, that's a great scene. And I wish yeah. there was more of that. I also just this this leans into like how Carrie Coon needed more screen time. But like, I didn't understand. Like why she was having trouble getting the kids places on time. Like, yeah. <laughs> what is she doing for eight hours? <laughs> uh, what are any wow. of these people doing for eight hours a day? The problem oh, is that it's too diffuse, and and this is what I was kind of saying. Like, the 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 pace of the movie I loved, but it doesn't serve the story well. Like, uh, if this yeah. were a a like haunted house movie, then that creeping dread would be like, oh, all this time Beelzebub has been seeding our our family with hatred and distrust. But like, if it is just that, like Carrie Coon is depressed and can't get like herself out of bed or she's losing track of time because she's like trying to distract herself from how much she hates Surrey by like really leaning into her horsemanship. Like then we need to see that, you know, we can't we stop cutting around that and then giving us these very slow zoom moments of people just doing random stuff. Like it's just, it's, it's not, it's not suited to the story they're telling because it keeps it from telling its own story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I- I think I think that that is a little bit of a weak point in this film in particular. Um, I I think there's a lot of background that we're not quite seeing and and don't quite know enough of. Um, you know, I think Jude Law's character at one point mentions that like uh, when he first came across uh, Carrie Coon's character Allison, who he keeps calling Al, which I find distressing as fuck. But um, you know nicknames and everything like that but uh he mentions that he found her in like a one bedroom flat in new york which doesn't seem like all that unheard of considering like i've i've definitely heard of people living in one bedroom flats in new york like and not like having or not not considering themselves like poor or anything like that. I guess it changes when you have a child as well, but I'm just like, uh, I don't know, like <laughs> give her a break a little bit. Maybe she's not rich, but you know, but uh, yeah, I guess the implication there is that she doesn't work hard for some reason, but then we see her like get off her ass and go help at that neighbor's farm. So she's clearly not, like averse to doing work and it seemed like she actually had a a pretty decent thing going over in america with the with kind of the horse lessons and everything like that so i mean everyone was doing fine in america but jude law is just like i need more i deserve more sure i mean he's you know he's not a hero like (laughs) yeah it seemed like he was he I mean, certainly during that taxi cab sequence that I, I mentioned earlier, um, he seemed to be doing well. At some point, he had a million dollars in the bank, which means, you know, it wasn't tied up in anything else. So, I mean, he was certainly doing well for himself. I think I think 
more than anything, this film has knocked Jude Law off his pedestal in some sense. And the film just revolves around him bringing everybody else down with him um, to try and and like have him scrabble back up. And I think maybe that's part of why we're not seeing Carrie Coon uh, take the kids to to the schools on time or things like that because he was doing it because he wasn't working as as much as he was right so maybe she's gotten out of rhythm but then we also have like a 30 day 20 day jump and it seems like the kids are still on her ass about like getting them to school on time so but i I think that i think that again kind of i'm I'm sorry johnny I, i totally interrupted you please go ahead no, I mean, I just think, I just think Durkin doesn't know who his protagonist is, like in any way. I yep. think, I think he's trying to trying to make both uh, Allison and Rory uh, the protagonist, and sort of he's hoping that the strength of his craft and all the ways bring all the ways he's bringing in horror and the ambiguous ending will sort of carry him through. But I just don't think he's decided who this movie is actually about. Um, that, that point you were saying about how broad his character is, like, I, I completely agree with that. He's not, he's not a specific person. And I think that kind of goes back to, um, I think this is very inspired by his own life and his own upbringing and more power to him. Of, of course, that's like totally like fine to pull from your own life. But, uh, I think he didn't want to make Jude Law literally his dad. And he just kind of mm. made Jude Law, uh, like kind of a cipher, kind of a caricature, of of like somebody like that um uh yeah like like every like there are so many great little moments but he just he just hasn't nailed he just hasn't nailed down who this movie is about you know yeah i I think that's Mm -hmm. really fair and i I think to to move to the whore tropes a little bit you know i i it's weird because you know it when it starts with that and you're like all right, we're like really leaning into them. What we're doing some of the, you know, shot choices, what we're blocking the house in a certain way where, you know, there's like an inky unknown to it. The production design has this like alienating feel. But all of that, it's it's odd because I think it I, I think it kind of like symbolizes itself. I, I can't help but think I, I um what we were just saying about like Carrie Coon, like, what is she doing? How is she deteriorating? And I can't help but think about something like Shirley. And I'm not saying Shirley and uh, Carrie Coon's character are identical or anything, but I still think Shirley had a certain, um, like, atmospheric creakiness while also very much being able to instill how her own, like, stasis uh you know, really ground her down. And, and I think that so much of this film, like, uses little moments to try to represent those things, you know, whether she is uh, getting short with the people uh, building the stable while she is uh, with Richmond, or, um, you know, just some of the ways that her how distant she's becoming from her kids, like all of that is trying to um, compensate for the development that's just not really there. Hmm. 
Yeah, the 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 horse thing too. I just want to say doesn't make any sense to me. Like if if Carrie Coon's character was like in a one bedroom flat, how did she get so into horses? I just I it just doesn't make any sense to me. I okay. So <clears throat> here's a fun bit of trivia. Uh, there is a horse riding academy <laughs> that is right near my grandparents' house in Queens, New York. Like. Horses are everywhere, man. You can you can right, find them if you enough. need to. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, like uh, so. Like if you're if yeah, you're on if you're if you're on the, the horse expert Brian J. Rowan. Yes, one of the many things that I weirdly know about. Let's talk about urban horses. Um, if you're if you're coming off the Verrazano Bridge, the, taking the Belt Parkway, which will take you from Brooklyn to Queens, there is a horse riding academy. And then so, if you're on Cross Bay Boulevard. Right outside of Howard Beach, New York, there is another horse riding academy. So one of my good friends, uh, Rachel, she has a horse, Miguel. And so, yeah, she doesn't keep it at her house. And she definitely lives in the city of Dallas. And I'm not sure where that horse uh, resides, but most people that own horses or do horse riding, I, I, I won't generalize too much, but I know a quite a few people that have horses that do not keep them on their property. They basically have a, a localized, like, you know, a holding area for a, a bevy of horses. Right. Because you, you, you pay... also have to take care of that fucking creature. They are very large. So just imagine if you had a dog that was the size of a buffalo and you were oh like, my God, oh, I would love that. <laughs> Who is amazing. going to feed this dog? And who is going to clean up its shit and who is going to maintain it? Like, yeah, you got to, yeah, you got to do horseshoes, you got to do all this shit. The first professional interaction we see is someone coming in and paying their rent. And they're not paying for like an apartment. They're paying for the stable rental. Sure. You know. um, And and then lessons, yeah. Yeah, if you've ever watched the HBO show Luck. Um, there's a group of gamblers, gamblers who win, uh, a bunch of money during the first episode and then they decide to buy a horse. And then a lot of the rest Mm. of the season is like them, you know, figuring out how to like pay for the, the, the key upkeep of this horse. Like they get a trainer, they rent a stable. Uh, this guy's like, I, you know, I'll feed your horse, but that's like extra money on top. If you're not going to buy your own food and everything like it's, it's, I would assume for people who like a boat. All right. All right. Exactly like a boat. If you just think of horses like boats, it all makes sense. A a living, breathing. I didn't know either. (laughs) We're in the same boat. Oh my god! Hey, you don't need to put your horse on my wagon. No, I'm going to put my horse in the wagon and make your horse pull my horse. <laughs> That's what we created wheels for. Does that work? Does that work? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think we should measure horses by how many horses they can pull. Wait, what is the origin of horse in my wagon? Hitching your horse to my wagon? Oh, I thought you said put your horse on my wagon. That's what he said initially, <laughs> yeah, and we lightly yeah, yeah, yeah. jokingly corrected. That made no sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah once that would, again, that would create that would that would necessitate the uh, large machinery that you were referring to earlier. <laughs> I refer you to the time that I once spent like forty-five minutes 
trying to figure out with Michael what sailing ship best represented the filmstage.com. Um, I know too much about things. And yeah, it's a problem. And, and, and and you got mad about us talking about the bracket, and you're yeah, because the bracket is bullshit. That. But like the difference between a frigate and a brigantine <laughs> is night and day. <laughs> I thought you said schooner is what we are. We are a schooner, schooner yes. Schooner? Oh, okay. schooners are tiny, right? Yeah, we're tiny, but we're fast. We're fleet. Um, speaking of fleets, Twitter, please stop. <laughs> I kind of like it. Uh, uh, what's going uh, on twitter everyone everyone was like posting fleets that were just like oh fleets i hate fleets but then it's like it's like if you're joking about a kink so much that suddenly you're like maybe i should try it out for real though wait, wait why would that your metaphor <laughs> why, why are we mad at twitter i i like being mad at twitter because twitter has started basically doing like snapchat stories or instagram stories or whatever or whatever well, Facebook's version reels, is. But yeah. No, no, Reels is Instagram's attempt to take down TikTok. Yes. yes. But right. but basically it's it's encroached on its own stories now. Yes. I mean, everything is terrible. Um TikTok <laughs> is the only pure thing in the world. Wait, no, no, no. That one's stealing all your data and giving it to China. Like That's China can have it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want an arc lighter, China. Send it to me. Yes, maybe yeah, if I just right? say no, the word not, arc. Not from Instagram, though, Jesus Christ. Maybe if I just say the word arc lighter over and over and over again, I'll eventually get a Facebook ad for it. Just keep saying it out loud. It'll, it'll happen. Michael, I do have to say, yeah, though, that your history of researching things, you never go to the right places. You went you, to Etsy. You went to Etsy fuck? for this. You went to Deviant <laughs> Art for cryptids. You never want to go to Deviant Art. <laughs> no, Deviant Art just came up as like the third search result, and that's I thought it'd be funny. You, that's not what. No, that's that's not a funny rabbit hole to go down. Oh, I didn't go down the rabbit hole. I just was like, oh, there's a rabbit hole. I'm gonna say there's a rabbit hole. <laughs> Hey, look I at that rabbit put, hole. Like, jump into it. You don't want to put like, rabbit hole into deviant art. Like that's I was <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Jonah, for making the furry joke that I could not figure out. I don't even know if that's a furry joke. That's, oh, that's something yeah. else. Entirely no, illegal. Think about it. Don't think about it too much. Just don't. Just don't. <laughs> Furries consensual. <laughs> Right, but for, I'm not Bill. I'm not explaining to you why the term rabbit hole would refer to a furry thing. I'm just not. I just can't right no. now. I'm so tired. I thought you were kidding, Bill. No, you know what? No, 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 no. All right. I'm not I, looking I, at Skype in case Bill decides to send another link or something. Um. So the nest, like we've really. Well, so here's the thing. I mean, like, so the horse dies. I, I have a. I have an honest question. Again, I had to watch this on my computer. I tried at some point to stream it to my TV using my Apple TV, and I yeah, said I wasn't allowed to. Yeah, that did not work for me either, so I definitely had to watch it on my computer. So I had to watch it on I my laptop. Plugged I plugged it into my HDMI. Well, look uh, at you smart. with your that's physical a- cables. Um, that's, that's what I used to do when I was a poor boy, but now now everything should work wirelessly, damn it. Okay, we shouldn't talk about like screener circumstances. <laughs> well, no, I have to say, I have to put this out there okay, because again, right, I just like 
What did the boy need to show his mom? Like, is it just the fact that the horse wasn't fully buried? Yeah, I thought it was fucking yeah. bubbling at some point. So, like, because I looked at that screen, and again, this was part of its, like, allure to me initially was that maybe it was going to turn into, like, some pet cemetery shit. Like, maybe the, the, the soil really was bad, or I don't know what the fuck was going to happen. But I definitely looked at the, like, ink black area where that horse had been buried and studied it for a while and i'm not sure if it was just artifacting of like the screener or what but it looked like it was moving so i was like oh shit well that's kind of i thought like maybe he was like uh the horse was still alive when you buried it but i'm like that was a fucking dead ass horse like (laughs) yeah like like i saw that thing full-on rigor mortis like it it definitely thudded into so then i was like oh did like animals get to it like is that what like so can anyone answer what was the deal with the horse why is she unburying it like what the fuck are you doing let's 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 see if jonah knows jonah what's up with the horse i think the the horse is just like a really heavy-handed metaphor for like their relationship and her perception of him and it's like another way you know you kind of you know it's like pet cemetery it's like you know it's mirroring into horror but it just doesn't go anywhere to me it, I, I, at a certain point i want the horse to come alive and it's just kind of frustrating that it that it does just lie there you know right. you can you can stare at that soil as long as you want it's, it's like not moving it's just a dead horse you there know there was a period where i thought and this is i don't know if my brain is just broken i thought maybe like it is. I mean, well, yeah, but like broken in new ways that I don't yet understand and know how to cope with. Um, like I thought maybe like the horse was pregnant, you know, and what he noticed was the foal inside like, but like, mm-hmm. I just don't know. Cause she starts like trying to dig it up and she like digs the dirt out of its nostrils. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, is this like, is she, is she going to rip like a foal out of this dead horse? And that's going to be like the heavy handed metaphor for like, hope springing from the tragedy but then instead she's just inside and the kids have made breakfast and then jude law comes in and he's like it's fine i'm gonna start my own company and everyone's just like come on come on man come on come on <laughs> and then he why sits down like, get the fuck out of the house that that's what i was waiting for them i'm what? like get ass out i i think i think everybody's had a had a couple of bad days there um yeah 30 to 60 bad days he doesn't acknowledge his daughter's existence to his mom fuck that guy (laughs) well because i mean yeah it's not his daughter yeah it's not his daughter it's that's his stepdaughter yeah no fuck him (laughs) (laughs) why was he even going to see his mom like what was the purpose of that i mean (laughs) i I don't want this to turn into just a parade of questions and nitpicks but like I kept expecting these things to bleed in a little more. And then I, I read well, other I, reviews I think- of this movie and they were like, oh, it's like a subtle, like, you know, just like marriage story-esque, like dissection of a marriage that's in trouble. And I'm like, that all of that style and all of this talent is brought to bear. And that's the story you're going to tell. Like, you can't, you can't, it just, it, it needs a better hand if that's what you're going to do. Like, if you want to shoot, an unhappy relationship thing like a haunted house movie without it being a haunted house movie. That's fine. But you need to like dig a little deeper into these characters then. And it, Mm -hmm. it needs to come to some sort of better resolution than, 
the daughter who'd been vomiting because she was on so much speed, I guess, finally like takes her little brother who she's been a dick to for like three months and tells him that they should make breakfast. And he's like, yep, fine. I get like nothing else going on. Like, I don't understand the kids blase attitude. Like if the kids had left, just straight up been like, let's just go. And then, like, the parents had just been, like, alone in the house being like, well, I guess this is what we did. That would be a better ending to me. But, like, to see them all sitting down to that, like, weird breakfast, you know, I just, like, what what are we doing here, guys? Like, how is, what is... I think I think I think we're finally seeing Jude Law's character, like, finally break down and and admit where he's wrong and and this is kind of the turning point for the family i think i think that's what we're seeing and so i take it as a hopeful ending so you know you might take it as a little bit of a of a letdown because it doesn't kind of answer a lot of these things but yeah I, i see it as a hopeful ending and yeah and as far as the mom is concerned i think his idea was that he was gonna sell his mom's house and make some money off of it so just like mom move in and then I can sell your house. Fuck yeah. This guy is desperate. Desperate as fuck for some cash. Doesn't he I, just I'm get just paid sitting around like, for 8 hours a day? Does it, <laughs> but doesn't he pull a salary? Like his fucking I have no It was all about idea. the deal. Commission. It, 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 commission honestly. Yeah, it, it might you be commission based. You think they so. hire people and it's solely commission based? I I don't know. I think I think he drains I think he drained a lot of his funding early on because, I mean, A, why the fuck do you buy that house and pay rent for a year? What the fuck is wrong with you? Like, that seems like a bad, bad idea. Um, And he also, like, he did a lot of things where he was playing like he was very liquid, and clearly he did not have a lot of liquidity. So, you know. Well, it's just weird because like a lot of people in this movie are like, you're brilliant, but you've got no eye for details. And like, maybe that's what we're supposed to take out of this. But like he is sure. even his broad work doesn't seem like it's <laughs> no. like, like n- not did, like did you see bad education, Brian. I did not. That That is a film I think does a really good job. Uh, I, yeah, it's, I, I, I like it. Uh, but I think that does a really good job of showing how his deal detail work just, oh, uh, I did where he's see drowning in did, it. When you mean bad education, you mean the Hugh Jackman one, not the Gail Garcia Bernal one, right? <laughs> Correct. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I saw the Hugh Jackman one. Yeah, I, I don't think it's. Yeah, I, I thought it was okay, but I thought they did a particularly good job in showing how those details, uh, how he just failed to see the, you know, uh, the forest for the trees. Right. He uh, in that movie isn't it, there. In in Bad Education, Hugh Jackman's character is kind of able to get away with it because he is, in fact, succeeding. And so he feels yeah. as though he is owed the money that he steals. Like, that is, that is a, a defining characteristic of that character and that story. And that is what makes it compelling. And in this one, it's just Jude Law hard charging and being like i just need to make as much money as quickly as possible and not even seemingly because he needs it at first but just because like that's his win scenario 
Yeah, I like um, I like the bad education comparison. I like the marriage story comparison too, because I think um, yeah, if 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 you know, looking at the looking at the last scene, it does seem like this is just a dissection of like like the reason we're here is just to dissect you know this marriage. I don't know. I feel like what Durkin's kind of Durkin's trying to avoid something like the uh, the fight scene that's in Marriage Story. You know, it's it's this big climax, and there's a fight scene in this, but it's it's not going to turn into a meme. You know, at, 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 well, nobody's like, nobody's punching, no a, punching wall a wall in the same yeah. way. Yeah, um, that's and I think, the like, problem. That's like his whole point. Yeah, but that's the whole problem. You know, like the point. I think is I think what Durkin's trying to say is like these bad relationships don't come to a climactic end. They just kind of are forced to continue by like everything that's around them. But, but it's still not like a no, realistic yeah. bad marriage. <laughs> yeah, because it's all shot like a haunted house, you know? It, yeah. Right, she closes and locks a door and then is like, oh my God, who opened the door? Are you fucking with me? Like, yeah. And like she, she like screams like, I don't recognize any of you. Like, you're all strangers to me. And I'm like, okay, all right. The ghost is coming. This is like <laughs> one of the funny... <laughs> One of the funnier things that ever happened to me is when I walked into the movie Parasite, I legitimately believed that it was about a parasite, large or small. I thought there would be a monster and it slowly dawned on me like, oh, no, we're all the parasites. <laughs> there's there's not going to be there's not going to be like a mind control alien worm or something. And this movie, I had like the same thing where I was like. There's going to be a ghost or there's going to be a demon or something like that. And then slowly it's like, nope, it's just this family that's not very well put together to begin with. And it just gets worse. Um, This this movie should just be subtitled like how London will destroy your fucking marriage. <laughs> no, but like I, I do want to say so there is one thing I want to say from a craft perspective, even if we don't think from a character perspective it's uh, particularly satisfying or it earns it. I think from a craft perspective, it doesn't earn an ending like that, which could have some grace or some mystery if the rest of the film is, you know, diffuse. But mm-hmm. it's not diffuse because the, in between these atmospheric scenes, there are literally scenes where they spell out their motivations. Like the taxi cab scene is written. It, it's OK, but like it is as on the nose as it can get. Like it's not even visual metaphors. It's dialogue where they right. are just. I pretend to be a rich man. Yes. Or the, the scene in the in their family room where they're both on the couch. And like some of that is okay, but if you're gonna do that, then actually do the restaurant scene. The restaurant scene's fun. Like yeah. <laughs> drinking from the bottle, him, you know. Yeah, our, that was one of my favorite scenes. You make yeah. me puke. And then him being like, she doesn't know shit about wine. <laughs> like, like it's <laughs> fun. Give me more of that. And then when she's like, you know, leaves the party, gives her coat and. Uh, you know, just decides to go dance. I'm like, yeah, I'm into this. <laughs> okay, Michael, <laughs> you you need no, to do like... you, wait, Michael. You need to do me a favor. Uh, you need to watch the leftovers, and you need to start with episode five. No, five, no. like right. That's yeah. guest, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah, just yeah. just watch episode like when we don't even wait for us to sign off. Just do it right now while we're recording. 
<laughs> go on Get HBO Max. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go, scroll past whatever ad they have. Right, and then you just you go to guest because episode five of season one, and just I'm watch it. Five episodes. I'm not doing that. that it's fine. My no. <laughs> it's a standalone like episode. This is like people are like, you can skip the first season of Buffy or like the first season of Doctor Who. And like, yeah, I had to suffer through it, but I'm not going to fucking skip it. OK, but what I'm like, telling you is you 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 watch it and then you'll be like, oh, this is what I'm in store for. And then you go back and you watch the rest of it. Like, yeah, <laughs> I just I want you to be happy, Michael. And I think the, the episode guest will make you happy. <laughs> I think going All back right. to Michael's point, though, like. Like, yeah, it's like that taxi cab scene, like, one-ups the heavy-handedness of, like, the, the dying horse, you know? It's like, if you didn't get it from the horse, this guy's a fraud, you know? Well, yeah, he literally says, like, my job is to pretend to be a rich person, <laughs> which is not even technically his job. It's not like he's, like, you know, a con man. Like, he has the job that he has. There's bound to be an expense account. And then the worst part to me is that, like, I don't know, I'm just tired of, like, Movies being like, if only you every once in a while would talk to a working man. <laughs> you know, then Converse then maybe the yeah. <laughs> these coastal elites would learn a little something about realness. You know, he's like, that's like the least you can do is like give your family food. Like, I, I just so like what's funny is so I'm watching the OC. OK, and. there's an episode where this guy jimmy has been found out to be embezzling from like the 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 accounts that he manages he's lost like four million dollars and sandy cohen is talking to him and he's like jimmy like you stole a shit ton of money and jimmy's like i you know you don't have to worry about like providing for your family because your wife is the richest woman in the county and sandy cohen even stevens just says i think there's more to providing for your family than money and it's just like boom, perfect. That's it. And like that Sandy is like the fun? whole. What was that? Do you like Sandy? I fucking love Sandy. Oh <laughs> god, Sandy's great. Sandy's, Sandy's the best. Great. Peter Gallagher with the eyebrows. Um, this is a great you time to be on this fucking show soon, Brian. God I will have you. <laughs> I will. I will have you on the show. Um, we're actually releasing the first episode at some point. I think in the next week. It's called Wonderful. You Know What I Love About the OC, and um, we've already recorded five episodes. It's super great. No spoilers, because I have never seen the show before. Um, All right. So that's my plug. Uh, it's been great talking to you. Have a good night. Um, but yeah, I just like that. The cab scene is like cathartic because he finally it was real with himself. And then the person that he was real with like said go fuck yourself i'm not driving you you just told me you're a liar with no money um which is awesome satisfying yeah yeah (laughs) but anyway um i don't remember the point i was gonna make other than uh, people need to stop writing things where if you just talk to someone who makes like less than a hundred thousand dollars a year you're gonna get the realness (laughs) did you guys have any feelings about the daughter and the party, which somehow takes up 15 minutes in this movie. I don't like she is a vi- she and her brother are victims of the way that this movie under undercuts the, the narratives of its own characters by, as Jonah said, not knowing who it's about. Like we see her smoking and then her music gets progressively louder. And then she's got a bunch of. 
Yeah, and then she's yes, got a bunch of townies. <laughs> she's got a bunch of townies in her room. And she's like, oh, you guys want to have a fucking rager with speed? Yeah, let's just do it here. And I'm like, really, Una? That's, we're there already? <laughs> like, really? You're going to start with speed? You fucking suck. Right. It's, it, I, you know, it's, I think that you could seed it a little better that she's like fallen that far or whatever. Like, you know, there, there haven't really been moments when like, you know, like maybe her mother's like, it's the middle of the night and like her kid's not there. And she's like, oh, where's she's gone. But it really seems like she's just mad about constantly being left at school <laughs> after being dropped off late. Um, and then, and then she just plays her music really loud and then she, Finds a bunch of uh, nebulously older boys and says, let's get some fucking uppers and rock out. <laughs> it's a good song, though. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like I have to say, so so uh, I, I interviewed uh, Sean Durkin for RogerEbert.com um, mm-hmm. and like he like kind of admitted that he like doesn't know who the protagonist is. Like that isn't like just my like my point, like on its own, you know, like he, huh. he, he's like. He's like on the record talking about like struggling to to figure out like who who his his subject actually is and I, I don't know it's it's like if you know that much like just go go one step further and actually make a choice I don't know yeah I um I feel like that's weird <laughs> ten years for this <laughs> <laughs> and I loved uh, Martha Marcy May Marlene I thought Martha Marcy I, I May Marlene myself. is fantastic. Like it's it's a really good movie, and it, it knows who its protagonist is, and that's a movie that I remember being in the theater watching that, and people were pissed off at the ending, and I was like, no, that's a fucking great ending, and it's in and, the car, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what's behind them, right? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, are they being stalked by members of the cult, or is it just some random bad driver? And it's like, it's yeah, because yeah. now you're in her brain, and you understand why she's nervous, and you know that it will probably never go away, and this yeah. movie is like. Uh, I don't know. Maybe like they can all just be honest about what pieces of shit they are. <laughs> see, see, no, see, I, I just, I just want to push back on that a little bit. Like, like I, I, I like, uh, I, I, I like the ending of, of the nest in the same way. Uh, I like the ending of, of, uh, Martha, Marcy May, Marlene, cause it, 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 uh, uh, it feels ambiguous to me whether or not this family is going to stay together or just like they're going to get divorced in like six months or something. I think that while I agree with you, uh, my issue is that by that point, I don't care. Yeah. I yeah. think that's the, the big problem. Yeah. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm cool kind with of the issue. <laughs> like I'm cool with the ambiguity, you know, like at the end of the graduate, you're just like, uh, yeah. So they ran away together, but they seem very conflicted about the reality of that. Mm. And this movie, it's like, okay, so they're sitting down to breakfast together and they, they seem very conflicted about the reality of that. But like, I don't care about these people as much as I care about Benjamin, you know? Yeah. Oh, I don't care about Benjamin at all. Oh man, that I, kid was annoying. <laughs> I mean, he was annoying as shit, but like, you still are like invested in him in some way. Yeah, totally. totally. <laughs> <laughs> this brings us back to 500 days of summer where Joseph Gordon Levitt and, um, Emily, Autumn. what, what's, no, 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 that's the girl he ends up with at the end. It's really stupid. Yes, it is. Summer, who is played by the main character in New Girl, whose name is really escaping me, even though I've been binging Zoe New Girl. Deschanel? Zoe Deschanel? Zoe Deschanel, yeah. 
I said Emily. He, he, had, I was about, he had a Bill moment. It's okay. I did. Bill. I had a, a real Bill Noted moment. I billed out. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so that's crazy. I just kept wanting to call her Jess is, I think, what my main problem was. Fair. But anyway, um, yeah, so this this movie, uh, I don't I don't know what more I have to say about it. It was really a disappointing to get to that last scene and to realize that, like, the movie wouldn't live up to how much I believed I was going to like it earlier. Uh, when did it turn for you, Brent? I really think it was like I think it was when his his like his his first deal went through. Mm. And like, and then he's like, oh, the fisheries thing. And I was like, oh, like, is he going to like, is his friend going to be mad at him? Cause he like stole his idea. But then instead they're like both on it. And then it turns out the Norwegians think he's a piece of shit. Um, I don't know. It just, it, it, there was a point when I was like, I don't know that this is coming together in the way that I need it to. And we've got mm. this night of peril and uncertainty, but like, it's not, none of it's hitting me right. You know? Uh, like yeah, we've got Carrie Coon like uh, cathartic partying, which is something that I've seen in the leftovers and love, and it's just not hitting me in this 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 uh, movie the way that I need it to. What song is it in the leftovers? Oh crap! I don't know. I'll I'll tweet you. They, they definitely she and Regina King like dance on a trampoline to a Wu Tang song Wu-Tang clan. at one yeah. point. That shit is awesome. <laughs> Hey, leftover sounds all right. <laughs> the best part about that, though, <laughs> the best part about that, though, is that she gets she, she, she the reason it's happening is because she got a tattoo, um, of the Wu Tang Clan's like symbol to cover up a different tattoo, and she just chose it at random because it sort of looked like a bat, and when she refers to it, she calls it the Wu Tang Band. <laughs> it's so awesome. <laughs> Oh my. Um so the leftovers is available right now on HBO Max. <laughs> it sounds like we all like Martha Martha Marcy May Marlene. Um it sounds like we do all reasonably recommend that one. Oh absolutely. Yeah. I was looking forward to to um to this movie. Like for for a so while. I. Like I heard about it so at I. Sundance and I was like, "Oh, he's back." And, um, and I'm I'm a little let down. <laughs> so I went to the I went to the track listing for that episode of the leftovers. Unfortunately, <laughs> the only soundtrack listing is there is Angel of Death by Slayer. Uh, okay, you're also continuing to sell me on this. Good. I expect that by the time we podcast again, on, you will man, have watched man. at least up to episode five of the leftovers. We were gonna do the, the chess one. Uh, Queen's Gambit? Yeah. Are we wait? Are we actually going to do Queen's Gambit as like a podcast episode? No, no. God damn it, Mike! Said no. (laughs) Wait, did Jordan say no to that? that On air. (laughs) Delete that, please. I I mean, I mean, we could always do uh, what is it? Pawn sacrifice or something like that? No, because that doesn't have that doesn't have thoroughbreds in it. It doesn't have Anya Taylor Joy. Wow! Holy shit! Okay, I'm I'm uncomfortable. With How are you going to do the star of the New Mutants so dirty? <laughs> we can do New Mutants. It's out on VOD. Oh, it stinks. <laughs> Sorry. Really? It's nothing. I'm not surprised. One hundred percent. You it's don't have to apologize for that. 
It's it's lame as hell. <laughs> it's like a ninety minute TV pilot. All right, let's get the fuck out of here. Uh, first, I have something very important to say. I just received an ad, a banner ad on IMDb for the Presto Stuffler stuffed waffle maker. No, how's it look? It I they're not showing me the appliance, but they are showing me the final result, and it is indeed a waffle. That appears to be stuffed with onions and bell peppers, and it looks amazing. Is it from Billy Mays? It's from Presto. It's the the Presto is the people who make the pizza pizzazz. I don't have the pizza. Pizzazz. I have I have talked about the Presto pizza pizzazz on this podcast before. It's the <laughs> rotating pizza oven. The countertop rotating. Look it up. Anyway, um, do we have any? Do we have any actual final things to say about the nest? Okay, so the one mildly good portrayal of a commodities broker that I found, <laughs> I've been looking this whole time, is, uh, I didn't have to look that hard, but Working Girl, but other characters in that are really craven and cutthroat, and I'm kind of grossed out about where Melanie Griffith is by the end of that movie, but technically, Fair. it is seen as a positive climax. <laughs> so... Yeah, I don't even moving up in the world as a woman. The best way I could think to to um to even find commodities trader movies would be to I'm on the um the IMDb keywords page right now. Sure. And honestly, they do not have commodities trader as one of the keywords. Can you say stock dude? (laughs) <laughs> what's Just weird is that they have trader. like 16 different ways of saying like she's into horses <laughs> but they don't have his they don't have his fucking job anywhere on here they've got money troubles financial problems englishman in america englishman abroad englishman in new york family breakfast <laughs> graffiti calling someone scum but they don't have nondescript commodity traders' office work. You you got to really work hard throughout this movie to get graffiti out of that as a keyword. Holy uh, fuck! Uh, yeah, it's like a uh, five frames at the bare end of the movie. Um, yeah. Did they misspell yuppie? By the way, isn't it Y U P P I E? I think uh, that's yuppies. <laughs> No, uh, yeah, Y U P P I E S. I'm well, saying talking about more than one people. <laughs> yeah, Y U P P I E. The C the C word has an S at the end of it, uh, so right. there's right. your Wait. plural. No, but I'm looking. I looked it up according to the dictionary. Well, no, it says alternate spelling Y U P P Y. Yeah, because England <laughs> always spells things fucking differently. <laughs> I just need to point out. Um, that if you spell yuppie the way the English does, e. um, it's um, Y-U-P-P-Y. Makes it sound like you're trying to talk to your dog who just made a mess in the house. <laughs> Did you make a yuppie? <laughs> Y-U-P-P-Y. <laughs> oh, so, Jonah, how was your first time on the film stage show? <laughs> This is very, uh, it's very normal. <laughs> Do you now understand why we told you not to be nervous? 
<laughs> I do. I do. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's starting to dawn on me. Uh, hopefully, now, you... now he's nervous that this won't end. Yeah, he's like, oh, God, how do we draw this to a close? I'm thinking of ending Skypes or something. <laughs> oh, no, I lost internet. Can't, cannot wait for the next Charlie Kaufman movie. I'm thinking of ending Skype. It's a pandemic uh, themed. Oh, no. Uh, an old oh, man Charlie recalls Kaufman. his pandemic doing podcasts, and it's just as insufferable as I'm thinking of ending things. Yeah, I like the idea that, that he would like bring Nick Cage back to play him again or something like that. He's just trapped in the house. Wait, I want to watch that. <laughs> yeah, right? Everything is terrible. It's Nick Cage. <laughs> so according to this, a yuppie is just any young person with a well-paid job and a fashionable lifestyle. I'm so close to being a yuppie. This is unsurprising. According to some people in our Slack channel, I'm already a yuppie. And perhaps actually some kind of robber baron. So you have a cushy government job. You're you're a yuppie. Yeah, yeah. I'm part of the deep. You state. own a distillery. You are absolutely a yuppie. I don't own it. I am a non-equity partner. <laughs> I'm so He's sorry. He's a fucking working man. He works with his hands. You're damn right. I pick up fifty uh-huh. pound grains of or sacks of grain, and I pour them into a hot cauldron and. I make uh, I make alcohol the the fuel of the proletariat. And we need to end. Drink it and smoke cigars. We need to you end are this. Also, the bourgeois. <laughs> yes, I am. I am the bourgeoisie. Uh, so that's fantastic, uh, Jonah. Thank you so much for putting up with us. I hope that you feel as though this has been worth your time. No, it's it's been a pleasure. I don't know. I guess I just want to say I do. I do still like the nest. Like I realize that like we spent like the last like hour and some just kind of picking it to pieces. Like I feel like I still feel like it's like a like a, a pretty all right piece of film filmmaking. You but did it, I just begin wish it wasn't by saying that you couldn't recommend it to anyone else, didn't you? Yeah, I guess I did say that. I don't know. I'm very conflicted about this movie. I I don't know. I definitely like it less having just had this conversation. You Um, know how often that happens on this podcast? I I don't know. I just wish it didn't get in its own way so so fucking much. I I totally agree with you there. No, it's it's I like I said coming into this. I like I there I love almost every bit of this, and it just can't it can't. Make less itself than the sum of into its parts. A, yeah, it's totally less than the sum of its parts. <clears throat> anyway, um, so that's that's fucking kids. This fucking kids. Um, don't do speed while listening to uh, what was the, the what Thompson was the song? Twins? <laughs> I no, I that's not that scene. film stage show podcast. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that either. Yes. <laughs> No, it was it was the uh, it was the every time I see you falling again. Right, that's that the song. That's no, that's uh, that's New oh, Order, that's isn't it? Mm-hmm. No, just keep talking. All right, I'll I'll, I'll start wrapping us up. You give me an answer. Um, <laughs> so uh, like, let's, let's remember, uh, you can get a free thirty day uh, trial subscription to movie by going to mubi.com/slash filmstage. If you do that now, you will have it in time for Yorgos Lanthimos' new uh, piece of work. So check that out, uh, mubi.com slash filmstage. In addition, go to patreon.com slash show to give us your money. Um, let's uh, talk about what we're going to talk about next week. It is apparently not The Queen's Gambit. 
I think it's Mank. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that came out on the 4th. Wait, is the next week not the 4th? Uh, maybe it's The Sound of Metal? Uh... <laughs> So we're not sure what we're talking about next week, but we will tweet it out. Um, but it is apparently not the Queen's Gambit. Um, that's fine. Uh, so let's uh, let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time that we uh, escape into their ears. Uh, let's start with our guest, Jenna Koslowski. Where can people find your work yeah. online? Uh, you can find me over on the spool, uh, some interviews on rogerebert.com and, uh, my Twitter, uh, at Kozlowski speaks. Uh, yeah. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me, uh, on Twitter at cable BFG. You can also find me on Instagram at Billstagram. Um, yeah, that's about it. I don't know. I, 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 I don't think I've. Does an Uber count? I don't think I've ever ridden in a taxi. Huh. You haven't okay. been to a play. Well, you you haven't me? driven in a taxi. What? What kind of podunk, third world, <laughs> shit kicking, dusty boot <laughs> existence have you had? I mean, why does why does a taxi have to <laughs> do that? I don't know. I just felt like I needed to be upset again. <laughs> Here's your time. You shined. Good. I, I can help. I, I got some links ready for you, Brian. Whenever, oh, uh, whenever you want to feel really depressed about. Are they links. more pornographic lighters? No. <laughs> no, that was uh, an isolated occasion. <laughs> well, that's too bad. <laughs> I know, right? I really could have used another one. Shoot. <laughs> Remember, it's Christmas time, and I've got gifts to buy. So if you've seen a pornographic lighter. <laughs> Send it my way. I will give it to someone. Oh, I, boy. I, I, other bits coming up for me are, uh, oh, how did I get to 4chan? <laughs> Help, guys. I accidentally joined a white supremacist movement. Stormfront isn't. Oh, okay, I'm done. <laughs> isn't a weather uh, website? What is the deal with my Kampf? Oh boy. All right. Uh, when you start making jokes about Nazism, that's when it's time to go. Michael Snydell, did you find out the name of that right. song? Uh, I, well, it says, I think we're potentially doing happiest season, but I think we're kind of waiting. For what is happiest reviews. season? It is a Kristen Stewart, Mackenzie Davis, uh, Halloween holiday rom-com. <laughs> uh, okay, sure. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. On Hulu. Yeah. I was asking if you figured out the song they were dancing to. It was Bizarre Love Triangle, but I was trying not to let you uh, win this one. Yeah, New <laughs> Order. Anyway, um, yeah. fond memories of a friend of mine who had that as his ringtone, and it was just so embarrassing every time someone called him. I was supposed to see New Order and Pet Shop Boys earlier this year. And this is happen. the second episode in a row? Or, like, you've said this recently. and uh, um, Have I really... Oh yeah, my God. yeah, and I'm very. I like. I just remember because I was so upset that you didn't get to see them, and now I'm upset all over again. No, and Slater, Kenny, and Wilco were also in a double bill, and that sounded fun. <sighs> stupid quarantine. Stupid, uh, stupid continue. quarantine. Michael Snydell, tell people where they can find your shit online. Uh you can find my shit online at Twitter at, at Snydell. 
I, uh, someone was nice enough to invite me on another podcast. I am on the Seventh Row podcast this week talking about two Frederick Wiseman films, uh, Ex Libris and City Hall. So I get to talk about uh, what's wrong with America's institutions. And I was the only Yank on the website or on the podcast. And it was just Canadians and uh, uh, Londonites just making me feel so bad. I think they're called America, Londoners. Even though we deserve it. I, I, I know, but Londonites is more fun. <laughs> it sounds like, I don't know, someone who worships thunder. I don't know why. <laughs> oh, so uh, she's not from London. So, sorry, Orla. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. What an institutional failure on Michael Snydell's part. Um, yes. As for myself, uh, you uh, you all know where to find me by now. At Brian J. Rowan on all the social meds. Um... <laughs> yeah you get on the social meds and then you look up at brian j Rowan, and it's probably me uh if it's not me if you found some new social media site and you find someone who already has at brian j Rowan, let me know i think that'd be interesting um my personal site brianjrowan.com schmidtspirits.com since we've talked about my liquor a weird amount this episode and uh well, I'm not on TikTok. Uh, I mean, I'm on TikTok insofar as like I look at TikToks, but I don't have, I don't produce TikToks. <laughs> Michael you got Slidell, the app on your phone. Yeah, Michael, you are lucky that I just don't constantly send you every bi pirate TikTok that I come across. <laughs> it would be so easy to do it, and it would slowly drive you mad. But I'm not doing it. Um, what else? Uh, my new podcast, uh, You Know What I Love About the OC, will be dropping soon, so follow me on Twitter and I will tell you when to uh, wh- when and where to check that out. And of course, you can find every episode of this year's podcast by going to thefilmstage.com, where I also have my written review of uh, World of Tomorrow, Episode 3, The Absent Destination, David Prime. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us, and tune in next week. <laughs> <laughs>